0: you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So, with that said, we are
1: excited to launch
0: the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much.
1: Let's go! Let's go! So, welcome. I have a thirty-minute segment with you all. I'll be sharing to you about generating repeatable. Revenue and creating multiple income streams. That's what I'm going to be focusing my topic on. Uh, Glenn gave a lot of context already, but good morning to many of you, good evening to some, good afternoon to the others. Uh, whether you are a long time listener or a first time listener, uh, I, I do want to welcome you all. Um, you are in Breakfast with Champions. It, it's not just the name of the club. It's it's the it's the beating heart of the club and. It is Millionaire Breakfast Club in all senses of the word, and it's designed to bring you motivation, education, inspiration uh, every single morning, and hopefully I can help pour into that. Uh, Join the club if you haven't already, hit the share button and let's get stuck in. So quick intro if we've not met yet. uh, My name's Ram, I'm I'm based in Sydney in Australia, and professionally for the last 16 years, I've been practicing in the space of human-centered design, creative strategy, digital marketing and branding specifically. So I've done so uh, from Ogilvy, I started there, worked at JWT, Macan. Uh These are agency, uh, large agency places. Um, previously, I was the design director uh, for DDB and serviced McDonald's and Audi primarily. And most recently, I was the head of digital design for Saatchi and Saatchi here in Australia, and, and I serviced Amex, Qantas, and Toyota with my large team. But now I've stepped away from that world and uh, actively help (laughs) business owners and organizations get unstuck, taking that enterprise level learning and applying that as an advisor and coach through design thinking. So today in this segment, as I said, I'll be speaking about uh, the common and uncommon ways that I've been able to generate repeatable revenue and create multiple income streams. As a designer, mind you, (laughs) turned business owner, advisor and investor. I've not come from Wall Street or have an accounting background. I pursued a career as an economist or anything of that nature. Um, So my financial literacy had to be learned from scratch. And when I say from scratch, I mean ground zero. Like what is the language of making money? I, I, I didn't know, my parents didn't know. Uh, what does making money look like, or even sound like? And I feel that that's, this is important, um, because you're going to hear a lot of different perspectives around, um, making money and finances, and there's going to be different ways with which we can focus on, on that. But for me, it it really comes down to the hygiene stuff, the, 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 the meeting you where you are. Um, a bit more context, as some of you might know, small recap, I'm originally from the Philippines. My dad's one of 11. Yes, you heard right. One of 11, (laughs) Mum's one of five and growing up for them was financially challenging. They were highly encouraged to use education, specifically completing a university degree as a way out of their circumstance um, to create a life where they could pursue a safe, secure job and get by. The highest goal for them was just to get by somewhat comfortably because most did not, and most could not. Now, could you believe, take my dad, for example, his father passed away when his dad was only three. So my dad had to be effectively like the man of the house, man of the house as, a, as a kid. Imagine that responsibility. So dad works hard goes and completes not one, but two degrees, Bachelor of Marine Transportation and Mechanical Engineering. Two degrees, we get to Australia in the 80s, and I'm only about one year uh, year old baby when we migrate. I'm in the middle of three siblings. And those two degrees that my dad completed were not recognized in Australia, despite graduating from one of the top universities in the Philippines as well. So how's that for a punch in the guts? And what does my dad do? Ain't no time to complain. (laughs) Dad gets a job, works at a factory for 25K Aussie dollars a year. So what's that in US, under 20? um, To raise a family of five and stays there for about 15 plus years. Made his way to about 60K at that point and then got a job somewhere else. I think it's important to piece that into the mix here because when we talk about uh, where we are and where we wanna be, we need to benchmark ourselves. Where I'd like to direct what I'm going to share, um, as I said, can be unpacked in different ways, but when I asked myself in preparation for this segment, and I get this wonderful segment every two weeks so I'm very conscious of maximizing the time but it's what would be most meaningful to share today and what hit me was like an arrow to the heart and it was to help people who don't even know where to start not the people who already know what to do or are already there or are well on their way so if you're feel that you're in ground zero like how I was and how my parents were at one point, then this is for you. I don't want you to be dissuaded by the topic here because once again, I'm gonna really be very practical like with all my segments. So please grab a pen, a digital notepad if that's something that you have handy and capture anything. Obviously use the scissors uh, on this wonderful app and share it. Uh, Important disclaimer, like I said, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, this isn't financial advice and all the decisions of course must be assessed based on your own risk, tolerance and personal circumstances. My goal is at most to gently prompt you to reflect on some of the strategies and tactics that you may or may not be doing in order for you to make more informed and empowered decisions about your money. So. All of which is my own lived experience. Things I've done, things I've tried and tested, things that worked well and didn't work well. Some things that I'm still doing now. Uh, you might be doing these already. It might be all new to some of you. Um, but you're welcome here. This is everyone has a seat at the table, as as Glenn has always um, made a, a, an emphasised point. Um, so I want you to take what you need uh, wherever you are. So to kick off, I want to anchor us with this message. It's one of my new favorite books. I can't believe it's only been out uh, since 2019, but it's called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, and it's by Charlie Mackesy. And the concept is that all four characters represent different parts of the same person, and that person being us. Like I said, it's, it's the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. And there's the, the curious and inquisitive side of the boy. There's the mole who's enthusiastic but a bit greedy. And there's the fox who's been hurt, so he's reluctant with most things and withdraws from a lot of what life has to offer, is pretty slow to trust, but deep down has the desire to be part of the world. And then there's the horse who's the wisest, the deepest and most soulful part of you. Now, there's one bit here. You're probably going, how does this relate to money and and making money and and finance? Well, there's this one bit uh, that I now keep in my back pocket. And the boy says this, I can't see a way through. And then the horse says, can you see the next step? And the boy says, yes, I can. And the horse replies, then do that. Just take that take that first step. And although it might seem ultra simplistic, uh, in the book, you know, the boy is in darkness, and and he can't really see a way out. And I realized that the author is reminding us that even when the destination is unclear, taking things one step at a time is all we need to do. In order to make that first 1 million, sometimes that's just so far away. We need to make 100,000, 10 times in order to make that first 100,000, because that might be too much for us to even envision. And I want to respect the, the the different stages that we are. But in order to make that first 100,000, then, we need to make 10,000, do we not? We need to do that 10 times. In order to make that first 10,000, we need to make at least 1,000 and then do that 10 times you see where I'm going with this in order to make that 100 1000. Sorry, we we need to make $100 10 times. And it can be sliced in many different ways. But I feel that sometimes we forego of the process, not always. But for example, uh, we often hear it sliced in this way, which is $1 million divided by 365 equals $2,740 a day. In an eight hour day, that's $342.50 an hour. Granted, that figure will likely be more or less, depending on how much time you take off, vacation, sick days, emergencies, et cetera. But no matter which way you cut it, I'd like you to first ask yourself, where is your current baseline? And what is your next step? We can't be globally known unless we're nationally known. It's the same principle. We can't be nationally known until we are locally known. So I really want you to focus on getting factual. Can you generate, for example, $2,740 a day, yes or no? Right. Go through a yes or no sequence. No maybes, it's yes or no. Follow a decision-making path so you can get to the facts. If it's yes, you can can, certainly, you know, without any issues, 2740 bucks per day. My next question would be, can you repeat that tomorrow and the following day and every day after that, yes or no? If you can't generate 2740 bucks per day, again, that's just a, a figure for discussion. But if you can't at the moment, can you generate half of that, yes or no? If no, can you generate 10% of that? Can you generate $274 a day, yes or no? This is what I mean by starting where we are, because if we don't go through this sequence, and you know I'm all about that, (laughs) can you repeat generating, for example, $274 per day, we know where to start. We know what we have. And a lot of my recommendations and sort of shared experiences that I'm going to dive into, I'm going to dive into six quick tips. Uh, it's going to allow you to pick that one next best step for you. Okay. So I remember instances when I had to investigate, for example, what was going on with my gut health. Um, there was a three year period where at the beginning of my sort of challenging time with gut health and as you know gut, the gut affects everything in your your sleep your you know your your skin your energy everything uh, I had sharp pains in my abdomen and I had an incredible amount of bloating irregularity of, of my bowel movements a whole range of symptoms it's horrible if you've ever experienced that and it's concerning because on my mother's side there's a history of bowel cancer and and stomach and intestinal related illness and for those that have been on that journey you would have been advised something along the lines by health professional to monitor and journal and build a data set of tracking what's going on in your body, how it responds. A very common method is FODMAP diet. And I'm not going to get into that, but (laughs) it's basically an approach that slowly introduces specific types of food to find the cause and effect. And it's this slow introduction that we also need to apply to our finances Right? Rather than doing all the things that's great ideas, but what's the one thing that will provide you the most meaningful and metric shifting result? Your bank balance doesn't lie. Um, I know some of you are like, you're telling me, right? <laughs> but there's no negotiating with it. There's no framing a narrative with it. There's no manifesting with hoping that it'll just increase, you either have cash or you don't, you either have assets or you don't, and you either have debt or you don't. And so let's start there. Tip number one, pay off your debts. This can go in different ways, but I'll cull it to these points here. Pay the minimum amount on your card if you have a credit card, okay? These are like basic hygiene stuff, but we gotta start there, right? Think about, using savings to clear debt. And what I mean by that is, if you have extra money in savings, also known as a rainy day fund, consider whether it's worth using a part of it to pay down your debt. Okay, Because (laughs) the, the interest you need to pay on your credit card, for example, is usually higher than how much you would earn on a savings account. You with me? Again, super basic stuff, but I didn't know all this stuff. So if you don't have the need for it to be parked in your savings, and you've got enough for a bit of the rainy days, then consider using savings to clear debt. The other part of this is look at the interest rates of the loans that you have, not the balance. I'm talking about the interest. Even on a small debt can build very quickly. So if you have a few debts to pay off, look at the ones with the highest interest rates first, after you have made all your minimum payments, use an online calculator tool to help with this. There's tons of that. Okay. But look at the interest rate. And the last point around paying off your debts for me is is around deciding on a debt repayment strategy. Okay. What I mean by that is put a plan in place to pay off your debt faster by considering a debt repayment strategy that's that works for you. So it might make the most mathematical sense to pay off your debts with the highest interest rates first, like I said, but for some people, they might be motivated to keep going when they tackle their small debts first. This is- Hey listeners,
0: if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you wanna know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your
1: day. What I mean, we, we can't prescribe one thing to everyone. Others might find it easier to pay their debts at once. I'm a bit like that, which means that you can do that with a debt consolidation loan for example consolidate everything in one so that's your tip number 1 pay off your debts tip number 2 of 6 spend with your spend within rather within your energy bank account and time bank account now these two in my opinion are and the that. most important currencies so i am working with two gentlemen, fathers uh, that I'm advising, they have created a business that's basically like an Airbnb for backyards. And when I asked them, how much time do you have? They said all the time, we're willing to put everything in this, you know, we're going to go for it. Typical, right? Like enthusiastic founders, startup founders, amazing, love it. And then when I said, Can I just ask, tell me a bit about yourselves. They're both fathers with three kids each. They both work full-time jobs elsewhere. So they don't actually have all the time in the world. They have all the intention in the world, but they don't actually have the hours, okay? When we got down to it, they might've only had an hour a night of concentration, quiet time, and maybe two or three hours on the weekend. I also asked them about how much funding are they going to self-fund and they said 35k for the first uh mvp so there's that um the other part of this is when you have no financial capital the alternative is to exchange your time and energy to generate that financial capital with which you need there's something i want to address here there needs to be Humility, just to call it out, especially at the beginning. There needs to be a lot of sweat equity. It's not forever. And I think that's what we also have to keep in mind. But two things on this. Number one, if we agree that the variable is you and we are finding it difficult to make money, then we either need to increase the goal, oh, sorry, decrease the goal, (laughs) decrease the goal or increase the effort, okay? So if we're stuck, either the goal is too high and it's really not feasible and I'm all up for going for your dreams, okay? But we've also got to stagger this. So you either have to decrease the goal or increase the effort. This is our choice. This is on us. Decrease the goal or increase the effort. If you decide to increase the effort, just like these guys that that I'm uh, advising, these two fathers with their Airbnb for backyards business, if you decide to increase the effort, then define how much you need to meet your capital needs and work that extra project or work that extra job entirely up to you, up to the point with which you can finance your hypothesized revenue generating idea. So this includes conservative investments as well, by the way in real estate, exchange trade funds, ETFs, uh, mutual funds, stock market, or, or anything that is more conservative than uh, basically putting up a business. Secondly, for those wanting to start a business, uh, so many, I find, are trying to go for the investor route for funding, okay? And, and I, I ask, how much money are you going to put in? Or how much have you put in? And with me and my fellow advisors and investors, we find that it's not proportional to the desired outcome. So the other part of this is when you do reach a point where you can delegate, uh, because it's a task in your revenue generating pipeline, Okay, that it can be done by someone else, we've got to make sure that we're distributing our funds accordingly. So I speak to a lot of aspiring and established business owners who can pay someone to do a task or a piece of work, and they don't. Um, If you're active on socials, there's plenty of content around some variation of this thinking, and it's how much time do you have? The majority would say 24 hours in a day, right? Minus sleep and family, then you're left with, let's say eight to 12 hours, depending on, on your commitment levels. If we're talking about one's personal output, let's say you're working eight hours if I hire four people delivering on a task that does justify a feasible hire and it's a return on investment, that's now four people delivering eight hours of output, 32 hours worth of results achieved in one day. So there's a few parts to this. Of course, I'm talking about still within this umbrella of tip number two, spend, your, spend within your energy bank account and time bank account. But I just wanted to address that. There's, there's currencies here at play And sometimes we automatically go, I don't have enough money, but everything is a value exchange. Some of you do have the energy and time. And uh, I don't want to call out lazy, because I often can fall in that too, but sometimes we just are. And there's something internally then that needs to be addressed. Fear, trauma, certain beliefs. I mean, I'm, I'm going for it today, right? It's just... I'm just calling it out. So then we need to address that first. Your next best action then becomes book a psychologist or a certified professional to start to understand that part of you. Okay. Tip number three of six, stop running from what you're predisposed to. Okay. What I mean by that, we are all predisposed to something. I'm going to call this out in very, very simple terms. We all have gifts. We all have a uniqueness. That is leverage. And we need to exhaust that leverage. In other words, milk what you have <laughs> and all that you are. And hopefully this triggers you in a good way. If I was to ask you, and a few of you have been in my, uh, my branding workshops, but if I was to ask you which is better, A fish, a bird, or an ape? Which would you gravitate towards, I wonder? A fish, a bird, an ape? Without any context, which do you think is better? Now, I do this exercise because it reveals a lot about this point about being predisposed. Don't try to soar through the air when you're really a runner, and a fast one at that, perhaps. Don't try to swim deep in the ocean when you're really a tree climber. I'm not built like LeBron James. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, five foot seven and, and was born skinny, right? But I, I was built with an above average level of curiosity. I was drawn to making and creating. When I graduated design college, I was predisposed to the market gaps of poor visual communication and branding. So this is what I mean by embracing and not just embracing, actually leveraging, milking it, using it. It's your equity. So many of us are running to the next new thing. You've not even exhausted what you have. I studied Monday to Friday when I was uh, in college. I worked as a bartender as well, one to two nights a week after college. And every Saturday and Sunday, I also took shifts and worked at a surf and skate clothing store in, in the CBD in the city. In addition to that, I would try to finish my projects in college as fast as possible, use the Macs that they have, the computers, and take on real clients and design for them. Logos, brochures, packaging, posters, anything people within my small network, uh, my parents' friends or my cousins, my aunties, their friends, whoever. I, I, I just churned them out. I continued to embrace this predisposition. And I definitely don't do brochures anymore, but even still, when I'm taking on any project, I'm asking upfront, what is your budget? What do you think I can help you with? And at an absolute minimum, I'm only entertaining 20 to 30K design projects at a minimum. And then I build the team accordingly, which makes it viable for me as it doesn't require all of me, and I'm not capped to that one job. Uh, The other part of predisposition is that the biggest area for me that took off was, I found it so very hard to get a job as a designer. And so I started a blog about eight years in, this would have been about 2012, I would have been eight years in the industry, and I started writing blog posts about how to get a job as a designer. I call them the missing modules, that they didn't tell us how to write to a creative director, what is this thing called facial expressions in an interview, tone of voice, right? No one taught me that. I learned that on the job. When I looked around on the internet, there wasn't much about it. So I started writing a blog, that took off. I then wrote my first book called, nothing original here, <laughs> how to get a job as a designer. That led me to my first global speaking tour. That led me to my podcast. That led me to my second book, How to Get a Mentor. That led me to my second speaking tour, and so on. And all of these have been massive revenue streams for me. But it was because of this tip number three, I stopped running from what I was predisposed to. Exhaust your leverage. Tip number four of six uh, research real estate and stock market investing before actually investing please do that <laughs> do not go and 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 go investing i see a lot of people um doing that and people i've spoken to um and and, and so i'll i'll keep this very short and sharp with an example um, you might even have high risk tolerance but it doesn't mean you should exercise high risk you know we say knowledge is power but I encourage you to get familiar with the ways with which you can actually invest in real estate. There's a lot and it can be very overwhelming. So just start to just absorb and be a sponge if it's all new to you and the stock market too. This is where I personally have made most of my financial wealth. Now, when I say research, I really mean speak to people who are credible, okay? And have done what you ultimately want to do. This is the quickest path to gathering the highest quality information. Because there is a lot out there that are you know, potentially confusing or opposing of another credible source. So I did this when I was in my late teens and early 20s. Uh, I felt totally out of place. I went to conferences and all these real estate seminars. I had no idea about 90% of the things that was, they were speaking about like LTV, loan to value, IARV, after repaired value, DTI, debt to income, OO, owner occupied. The list goes on. p principal and interest, PCF, price to cash flow ratio. There's a bunch of stuff that goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. It is literally a different language. All I was thinking was FML. <laughs> but I said to myself, you need to learn and we need to continually learn. I mentioned speaking to people right who are credible and have done what you ultimately wanna do. One critical conversation I had was when I was 25, uh, at the gym, I'd see one of my friends that I went to high school with. His name was Chris and we were the same age. And he said, mate, how's things here? You know, you, you, you should get into property investing. And I said, mate, how are you going with it? And he said, I've, I've invested in, I've got three properties now and we were 25 years old. And so one of the key things for me was that I had a fear, I, like I just said to you, like my parents, uh, the, the, they wouldn't even be able to imagine that. So that was really stopping me. So once I addressed that through conversations, uh, I, I really started to piece together um, how I could mitigate the downside, speaking to people like Chris uh in short uh after talking with chris in effect it was almost now that i reflect back it was indirect coaching from him <laughs> i finally bit the bullet and at 27 i bought my first property and uh it was the whole thing the whole thing that he he said that a lot of people say buy by the the sort of the 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 lot the crappiest house on the nicest street all of that we hear all of that right and it was It was an old home, it was um, 600 square meters, it was land and it was house uh, built uh, on this land. In Australia, land is much more highly valued than the actual um, physical structure. Land is is incredibly high value here and, and I was able to get one, I was able to get a loan that was within my means, the whole thing, I was terrified. And guess what? After three years, it doubled in value. I think I got lucky, fair, to a point. But I also did a ton of research and that led me to getting the equity to buy my second property at the age of 29 and the third at age 31. And that continues. Um, And like I said, I've never even entered this world. I've never known about real estate investment. But um, this tip here, research research real estate and stock market investing before actually investing and, and speak to people. That's the key. That's what I would want you to walk away with. Um, Tip number five of six, and I'll try to hammer these home now. Tip number five is basically just distribute your value via non-physical products. It's something that is critical because I just mentioned to you about speaking and and podcasting and and online courses that I have, all these things. But these did not intentionally, uh, how should I say this? It wasn't intentionally a money-making decision. Uh, I, I really just did this to help people and it, it became, ironically, uh, huge money makers. Uh, I'll touch on speaking real quick. Um, a lot of people want to re- launch books and have books. One of the tactics that I tried and tested, take this hack, I want, I want you all to, to win from this, is when you book a speaking event or if you're struggling to, include Your books or, you know, for example, um, I said, uh, if you buy minimum 50 copies of my book, that will in fact be in replacement of the speaker fee. Okay. So books at a certain amount where it becomes profitable and that also becomes replacing your speaker fee. Podcasting. I've been podcasting for the last, uh, since 2015, seven years. Uh, had on the likes of Kelly Slater, Kevin O'Leary, a whole bunch of of, of people, um, Olympians, you name it. And one of the, I'm going to give two quick hacks. When you end your conversation, if you are doing interview style, end the banter at the end after you've you know, recorded with, hey, you know what? I really enjoyed this interview. Do you, is there anyone that you look up to that you feel that I could um, interview that would be great for the show? That's how I got to the Kelly Slaters of the world. It was proximity, right? I, start, I didn't start with knowing him. It became, do you know someone? Do you know someone? Do you know someone? Eventually I got to those um, people. When you get to a point where you can prove your value and prove your audience... Uh, really start going out to the businesses that want the attention of the audiences that you have. So for example, I'll keep this very simple. Uh, I just acquired Adobe and Wix as my podcast sponsors. This is huge for me. It's always been a dream, but uh, I'm trying to give practical tips as well because, again, I didn't start there. I, I wasn't able to get that audience, but now I can because I can prove that that the audience that they're seeking um, is aligned with my audience too. Uh, tip number six of six: start and build a business. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of us, whoever's on this panel um, after me, uh, Justin and and Kim, and, and you know, we'll probably touch on a lot of uh, the business side as well. So I currently have eleven different ventures. Some I am purely an investor or silent partner in. Some uh, are large projects that are joint ventures, and some are businesses that I'm more heavily or partially involved in. I wanted this tip six, start a business to be my last tip because it really is the way to break free from the market cap of being on a salary. Uh, For example, taken from last year's census data in the US, uh, as as some indication, indication here, about 30.7% of households earned over 100k in 2020. Okay, that this is important data. Um, in 2019, around 15.5% of Americans earned between 100 and 150k. And only 8.3% of Americans earned between 150 to 200k. Now, you can make good money being on a salary, for sure. But if you're looking for a higher level of financial wealth, and it's up to you as to why that might be, for me, it's because I have massive goals and a vision for a better world that requires money to build the infrastructure and capability. Um, then having a business or multiple businesses allows you to do that. You can also be a cash cow and an asset in one, which you can then sell to be acquired later on. I think that's the dream, right? So how do you start a business? <laughs> we can't do that with the remaining minutes I have, but. One of the biggest factors that needs to be considered here is validating your idea. Now, I'm going to redirect you all to uh, the episode on Breakfast with Champions, League, which where I where I covered design thinking, and some of you have heard me on this segment uh, segments I've had about design thinking, and go through this. It's five stages. It's empathize with who you're trying to understand, uncover number two the problems, which is the define phase. The f- third of five is ideate, start to conceptualize. Uh, and then the fourth of five is prototype and five of five is to test. Again, listen to the design thinking podcast episode on Breakfast of Champions for that. But I'm going to give you two quick businesses that I've applied this to. Because as I said, tip six, start a freaking business. There is no gonna, there's not gonna be a perfect time to start a business. There's not gonna be a time where you feel so comfortable. One of them came up when I sprained my ankle so bad that two of three ligaments on my right ankle tore off the bone. I fell very badly during soccer one time and it forced me to be in lockdown, pre-pandemic lockdown. (laughs) This was three years ago. And I started thinking, you know what I thought? Maybe I needed this. Not that I deserved it, but maybe I needed this to slow down. And an idea came up, a business was born. You can check it out. It's called Unrushed Experiences. You can go unrushedexperiences.com and this business was born out of that. It's to help overworked Sydney-siders undo the damage of busy. It's a degustation of the senses event for overworked professionals. That was me. Right? It's live music, it's five to seven course menu with wine pairings, um, and it's Q&A with special guests. It's something that I wanted to create that didn't exist. A second business that I have is, it was born out of the pandemic, speaking of that actually, it's a tennis bootcamp business for adults, for beginner adults at that. So I took up tennis, saw a need in the market. I was like, man, how do I learn tennis? It's only one hour uh, tennis lessons here or it's a group that they're all young kids. <laughs> what about us adults that wanna pick up tennis perhaps? And uh, lo- long the short of it is, I uh, engaged with my coach at the time and I, he and I brought this idea to light. We just tested it and we launched tennis boot camps for beginner adults in Sydney. And it was, uh, it, this was a side hustle. It was just a, it was just a, a test um and it was 100 bucks per person three hours um and 10 to 15 people at a time and it sold out within 24 hours we didn't even have a website we just put it on an eventbrite. uh and then we were like wow that sold out fast let's put another date up put another date up that sold put another date up that sold so we're now about 23 boot camps in And again, it's just a side hustle that turned into a business. And now we've got staff and everything. Um, So find the gap, do customer research, competitor analysis, validate the pain, and hypothesize the solution, and test the messaging first, only the messaging first, and then deploy the minimum viable version of that. Uh, The more advanced strategy is to complete or. reverse engineer a, a, an ecosystem of businesses that feed into each other. But that's tip number six, start and build a business. We went from number one, pay off your debts. Number two, spend within your energy bank account and time bank account. Number three, stop running from what you're predisposed to. Number four, research uh, real estate and stock market investing before actually investing. Uh, step number th- uh, Tip number three, uh, tip number five rather, distribute your value via non-physical products as an idea and uh tip number six was design and start and build a business so to conclude before i pass on to, to justin i just wanted to say that uh that very beginning point of the story of the boy the mole the fox and the horse um that, that that for me is key to tying in all of this it's for those of you that are overwhelmed it's start with the first step it's just like the boy he said that i can't see a way through i cannot find a way through all i see is darkness and then the horse says can you see your next step and the boy says yes yes i can and the horse says then just do that take that first step all right thank you everyone that's me for time i've